Hey everybody, Chad here. You might notice on the recording that there are some differences in our audio quality for this particular episode, and that's because we ran into some similar problems that we ran into last week, but we managed to get a full recording out of it. So I went ahead and used what we had and did the best I could with it, and I apologize for the lacking quality there, but hopefully next week we'll be right on track. Enjoy our podcast about spiritual gifts. Welcome back to the Haven Audio Podcast. This is Chad Wallenberg, and I'm sitting here again with Corey Kirkland to talk about spiritual gifts. How are you doing, Corey? I'm doing pretty good, Chad. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. You know, last week we sat down on my birthday to talk about spiritual gifts and it was one of the best conversations that has ever been had in the history of mankind i think that if anyone would have heard it their life would have been forever changed it it was profound one of the things we talked about last week and we'll talk about again today is the fact that chad really has a spiritual gift to be able to deal with technology and he's great at it and we talked about all the ways he's great with technology things and then he sends me a text, and I was like, yep, I didn't record. Yeah. Well, I didn't say I didn't record. I said it didn't record. That leaves open the possibility that I didn't record. But I also would like for it ever always to exist on the Internet so that it is possible that something outside of my control made it to where the podcast didn't exist. Maybe the devil did it. I'm down with that. That's a great, that's a, that's a great explanation. Well, you know, Paul says that he wanted to come visit the Thessalonians, but Satan stopped him, so instead he wrote him a letter, which is the book of Thessalonians. And so maybe this will be an even greater podcast because of that. You never know. So this is our Thessalonian podcast. There you go. Sounds like a great inside joke for the podcast listener. Do you listen to the Thessalonian episode? I... Is that blasphemous? I don't. I don't think it's blasphemous. I just hope we have some listeners. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, send me a text that says we listen to this podcast. Thanks. <laughs> so, all right. So, like I mentioned earlier, uh, we are here to talk about spiritual gifts. We had someone request for us to talk about this as part of this show, and this is really a common request, isn't it? don't think we've ever had a summer someone didn't ask about spiritual gifts. Why do you think that is? Well, I think because it's so commonly misunderstood, and it's one of those things that we think should be one way and it's another. We think of it as a checkbox list, and we have these ideas, and I think maybe it'd be good if we talked about some of the things spiritual gifts are not. I think that's a great place to jump in. What are some of the most more commonly misunderstood aspects of the spiritual gifts? Well, a lot of people get confused between fruits of the Spirit and spiritual gifts. Now, the Bible says that every Christian is called to bear fruit, and the Holy Spirit bears certain fruits within us. And the Bible lists those, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And every one of those things, every Christian that has the Holy Spirit has the ability to bear that fruit. Some people bear those fruits in multitudes. Some don't. It's like, do you, do you water and fertilize and, and get sunlight for a tree or not? But we all have the ability to do that. So spiritual fruits are basically the 
everybody gets. So if you're a soldier, spiritual fruit is your toolkit. It's it's your 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 soldiers soldiers kit that everybody has that has the same thing. Whereas spiritual gifts are specifically unique gifts. They are unique signatures of the Holy Spirit that verify our salvation by showing the Holy Spirit has made this unique, specific change in our life that helps the kingdom of God. So one of the so one of the markers of a spiritual gift that makes it a little bit different than a fruit of the spirit is we are all given differing spiritual gifts to differing degrees, and that's okay. Exactly. Uh, in the same way, back to the old army thing, you might have a a cuirassier. I've been been reading some French Revolution books lately. You might have a cuirassier that has one type of breastplate, and you might have a a a dragoon that doesn't have a breastplate at all, but they both have the same kit. In other words, they have the same canteen. They have the same uh, little cooking utensils, and they have their same toolkit that every soldier in the army gets, no matter what they do. And so that's a, a great way to differentiate the two. All right. And so uh, is there anything else that we tend to misunderstand about the spiritual gifts? Yeah. I think a lot of times we fight really hard to make spiritual gifts fit on some type of checklist that say there are 12 spiritual gifts. And every gift that God has given you, every signature of the Holy Spirit has to fall in those. But I think that's contrary to Scripture, and I, I have several reasons for that. Number one, there are essentially three places in the New Testament where there are lists of, spirit, lists of spiritual gifts, and all three places list overlapping gifts, but they're not all overlapping. In other words, each list is a different list. That tells us that these lists are what we would call representative. They're examples of some spiritual gifts, but they don't have them all. You also have in the Bible several times that the Bible says the Holy Spirit came on somebody and they used some specific gift, and those things aren't listed. In the Old Testament, you have the craftsmen who built God's temple that God specifically says he gave them the skill to do that, and the the Bible goes to painstaking detail to talk about the gifts God gave those craftsmen to do a good job, but there's no gift of craftsmanship that's listed. You also have Samson, the Holy Spirit came on him, and he had the spiritual gift of physical strength. That's not listed anywhere in these gifts. You have, you have David had these spiritual gifts that aren't listed, like being artistic and these things. The signatures of the Holy Spirit that the Bible specifically says they were able to do it because of the Holy Spirit that not everybody can do that has the Holy Spirit, which is what a spiritual gift is, and they're not in that list. And so I don't think spiritual gifts are about memorizing these 12 or 14 things and figuring out how we can pigeonhole these things in. It's more simple than that. It's about looking at someone's life and saying, I see the Holy Spirit using this ability that God has given you for this purpose. Yeah. And so really those lists that we see are probably customized to the audience that they're being written to, right? Absolutely. So I have no doubt that when Paul is writing uh, to the Corinthians and he's talking about how he knows these people and he's saying, tell this person hi and all these things, and he gives this list, he's probably thinking about people that have those gifts. If 
if I'm sitting there in the haven in in the haven and I'm talking about various gifts and talents as I look around the room to people that I know and love I'm thinking you're good at that and you're good at that and you're good at that I'm sure Paul was the same way yeah yeah well um, that makes a lot of sense and so having pointed out some of the misconceptions about spiritual gifts um, do you think it would be wise to try to fill that void of misunderstanding with maybe a definition? Sure. Uh, let's talk about two definitions. Let's talk about kind of the traditional theological definition, the, the definition that I think I may have learned in some college classes at one point, and that would be an individual manifestation of grace from the Father that enables you to serve him and thus play a vital role in his plan for the redemption of the world. That's a really accurate definition, but it has a lot of big words and just a lot of words. So I would say more like this. A demonstration of the Holy Spirit in a unique way for the kingdom of God. So if the Holy Spirit demonstrates itself in your life, in other words, somebody looks at something you do and say, that was Jesus, that is a spiritual gift. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, I think you called it before a Christian talent, right? Absolutely, and uh, we this might be a good time to talk about the parable of the talents, but talent is one of those funny things. People fuss about what's a talent and what's not. I have had arguments with people that say Shaquille O'Neal is not talented, he's just big. And I got news for you, big is a talent. I'm, I didn't get that talent. I'm not seven foot tall, 300 pounds, but Shaq did. And a talent is actually a unit of money. And what's really neat about that is it's a unit of, money, unit of money that's really not subject to inflation, and we can value it the same way today. Because a talent is the amount of money at any given time that it costs to build a warship. So it's, it's the unit of price that a warship, like a military warship, costs if a government or an individual wants to commission one of those and have them done. So it's a lot of money. I mean, you picture, I mean, warships today clearly maybe have more representative value when you think about aircraft carriers than maybe the triremes that had the, the, the three sets of rowers and that type of stuff. But even then, that was a huge amount of money. Yeah, and, and no, matter, no matter what era of time that talent was used in, it represented the same amount of money as adjusted for inflation and economic realities, right? Absolutely. And of course, me, being the way I am, I love that it's a military value because everything we do is really about the kingdom of God and spiritual warfare. And we are fighting for souls and fighting for the glory of God. And I love the fact that Jesus, when he tells the parable of the talents, he's making a military reference to a military sum. And he says, this ruler had three servants and he gave one one talent and I, I don't recall offhand how many talents he gave the others I think one five and one ten but if you look it up and I'm wrong then sorry but the one that he gave one he just saved it the one that he gave five he he invested it he worked at it the one that he gave ten he worked at it and they grew and Jesus said to the first guy you should have invested what I did you should have grown it you had a responsibility and he said I the, the man that got the talent said, I knew that you were you were a strict master, and I didn't want to lose your money. 
And Jesus said, if you knew I was a strict master, you should have known I expected you to do the work. And I think that's a great example of God saying, I've given you a gift for the kingdom. Go use it. Yeah, the Lord says to use what we've been given, right? Um, I have a question. How, how do we know what our talents are? How do we know what our spiritual gifts are? Well, the Bible talks about two specific types of talents that we receive. There are talents that we have that start out as just a talent, like a genetic innate gift that we have. But when they become a spiritual gift is when the Holy Spirit then hones those and magnifies those to use for his kingdom. And so it talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, 6, it says that the same God activates each gift. In other words, something we already have, God activates it. Maybe, to use the Shaquille O'Neal example, maybe you're a natural athlete, and that puts you on a stage in a forum that you use that gift to glorify God. Well, you've taken a physical gift and you've made it. God has made through you a spiritual gift. You have, like you might have had that gift before, but when you become a follow, when you become a follower of Christ, the Lord multiplies the value of that gift. Absolutely, like Chad, you have the gift of technology. We talked about, I made a joke about that at the beginning of this podcast, but you do. You just understand the way computers and machines work, and you also have the ability to care how they work. I just want them to work, but you have that ability. I suspect you probably would have that ability in some form, whether you were Christian or not, but over and over again, I see God using that by giving you a vision on how you can take that technological skill and whether it's put together a podcast or 3D printing something for youth or working on the, the, the screens for Haven, whatever that is, you use that thing. The Holy Spirit uses that tool as a spiritual gift in your life. And so that is, I didn't know you before you were a Christian, but I would think of that as probably an awakened gift. There's other gifts that I don't think are generally awakened gifts. They're just when someone has a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit takes over and gives them that. A great gift, a great example would be the gift of prophecy that we'll talk about in a minute. But prophecy, when we say that, that doesn't mean predict the future. That's like Nostradamus, not the Bible. The prophets in the Bible primarily stood up and spoke the word of God. Sometimes the word of God was a prediction about the future, but generally it was a you should repent and you have sinned message. And when someone has the gift of prophecy, it means they have the ability to speak for God, speak the word of God, which means the, thing they, the things they say line up with Scripture. And so that's a Holy Spirit-driven gift, and it's hard for me to imagine a circumstance where anyone would have that that wasn't a Christian. So I think that's, that's one of those gifts that's not an awakened gift. That's a gift that, that I'm going to call a manifested gift. Uh, another example of a manifested gift is Samson's strength. The Holy Spirit just came upon him, and he was strong and did huge superhero-type stuff. I don't think he just had big muscles because if he just had big muscles, then when they cut his hair, his muscles would still be big. Or the Bible would say, and all of a sudden his muscles got little, probably. Okay, so we know some of the misunderstandings about spiritual gifts, right? And we know 
kind of how to understand spiritual gifts as either um, manifestations of the Spirit or things that are activated and multiplied by the Spirit. Um, and we also know that our gifts are talents that we are to invest wisely, right? And if we're going to invest them wisely, we need to we need to know how to think about our spiritual gifts well. We need to know what our gifts are. Absolutely. Um, how can we go about finding that out? Because we've already kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, really spiritual gifts aren't something that can be confined to a list, right? And so we can't just look at a list and say, oh, I have that. Absolutely. So I think the practical application of understanding spiritual gifts really comes down to two things, and you hit the nail on the head. Number one is, what is my spiritual gift? Where do I fit in the kingdom? What are my marching orders? And the other thing is, the spiritual gifts in the Bible, to understand them, sometimes they use big, weird words, and let's figure out what those mean. So I think those are the two things we need to cover. So to answer your the first question, how do we find our spiritual gifts? I think there are really three ways, uh, three scriptural ways that we can seek after what gifts that God has given us, what manifestations of the Holy Spirit that we see. The first one is the most popular one and the one that I like the least. And that's the survey, where people download the spiritual gift survey or just click on a Facebook link or whatever the case may be. But the problem with the survey is that's always going to be a finite list. That's always going to be taking 12 or 14 or whatever spiritual gifts are on that list and trying to pigeonhole everything in that list to say, well, Chad, you're good at technology, so I think you have the gift of administration because a person with administration has the ability to utilize the people of God and the tools of God for the kingdom of God, and technology is a tool for God. You can make that argument, but you don't have to. There's nothing in Scripture that says you've got to just pigeonhole that. Instead, you can say, Chad, you're really good at technology. Here's a window for that. You can say, Doug, you're an incredible worship leader. Let's let's have you come every third Wednesday to Haven. You don't have to say, well, you have this gift, and I'm going to pigeonhole this in. And you don't have to do that. You can just simply see, here's a gift that God has done, and you can plug it in. So I don't like the surveys, but a lot of people do, and those people aren't bad. I just I, I just think they're missing missing the target a little bit. And, and, they're, and they're useful to a point. They are. If we if we start with the survey and go somewhere else, they're helpful. But if we start and stop with the survey, we might run into some problems. They ask good questions and they make you think. And that's always a good thing. But I just think that spiritual gifts are so much broader than any survey could encompass. So I think the other two ways here are also another thing is the Bible never mentions anybody taking a survey about their spiritual gifts. Paul says, hey, y'all got this spiritual gift and this spiritual gift and this spiritual gift. Y'all go use them right. He never says, and we know that because you took a survey that you clicked on a link on Facebook. What we do have in Scripture is we have people who seek out what God wants in their life through their own heart. Where God has given us a passion, where he's giving us a calling, and he leads us through the Holy Spirit, that very generally is how we figure out, well, here's my spiritual gift. God has called me here, and... This thing comes natural to me. I understand that I have this gift or this gift or this gift. Here's where I excel and here's where I don't. 
That really makes me think of different roles in ministry that pastors tend to have. Now, spiritual gifts are for everybody, not just for pastors. But, you know, I think about the job that Colby, our children's pastor, does. I have two boys. I love them. And I love working with kids. But if working with kids was the primary the primary way I serve the Lord, I would lose my ever-loving mind, right? But you look at somebody like Colby, and you can tell that there is a comfort level there and a natural, uh, there's just a natural comfort and skill when it comes to working with kids. Absolutely. He has the gift of communicating with children. And again, somebody might pigeonhole that and say, well, he has the gift of teaching. And that's true, but it's a specific gift to teaching to children. And a lot of people that have gift of teaching don't have the gift of teaching to children. Um, I think that's a great example. And so you've got, where has God, where's the Holy Spirit led you? And how has God gifted you? What do you see? And the, the next one is, wise Christians, people who know you well and know Jesus well, who look at you in your life and say, you've got this gift and this gift. And they speak that truth into you. And it lines up with the Bible. And I can tell you in my own life, I had a couple guys when I was a young man who were in ministry that pulled me aside and said, you've got a gift for speaking. Uh, we need to get you preaching. We need to get you some opportunities. And so I got a chance to preach some revivals when I wasn't old enough to drive and had some awesome experiences in my life to grow that gift and to use that gift and honestly just to be bold about that gift. Yeah, so people saw the foundation or the seed of that gift in you. Sure, and I had I had a burning in my heart to, to preach God's word, but I didn't really know that I could do it. Yet I had, I had a lot of doubts about my ability to be used by God that those guys who pulled me aside and said, you've got this gift, gave me the courage to take those steps, and they helped me. And it's very important for us to be those people. When we see a spiritual gift in somebody, we tell them. And we do what we can to help them use that gift. And when someone sees a, sees a spiritual gift in us, we listen. Excuse me, I've got the hiccups today. When someone sees a spiritual gift in us, we listen. And we try to use that gift. Yeah. And, you know, for some of us, you know, for people who are wired like me in this particular way, there are, there are a lot of people that really wouldn't know what some of their spiritual gifts were unless other people pointed those out. I have that type of personality, right? Usually I don't realize that I'm competent in some, at something until someone looks at me and says, you know what, Chad, you're really good at that type of thing. Moses was that way. Moses specifically says, God, you need to give me Aaron to speak for me because I am not a good speaker. Yet the Bible says that Moses was mighty in word and deed. So Moses was a mighty speaker. And we have literally recorded mighty speeches that Moses gave. Yet Moses thought he was really bad at that. So it's important for us to listen when people we trust people who are Christians, people who know you and know Jesus, say, I see this gift in your life. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, so those three things, you know, we look at, um, we look at external kind of objective tools like 
surveys, we look at our own heart and at our own skill sets and things like that and, and what other people say to us. Um, and really when we lay that foundation and we have a good understanding of where our gifts are and where our skills lie, what do we do then? Well, I, I think this is a good time to, to kind of make a challenge. Because I think there are three things that we need to do scripturally in regard to our spiritual gifts. I think each one of us need to search our heart and search our life and figure out what our spiritual gifts are. So we examine our hearts and our lives and figure out what talent God has given us that we need to invest. Number two, we encourage. We look at our brothers and our sisters, and when we see a spiritual gift in their life, and I think we should specifically look for them, we encourage them and say, I see this spiritual gift in your life. And the last thing is we go. We figure out how we can strategically use that gift for the kingdom of God. And, and it could be, here's a great gift of what I really think is a spiritual gift. The church at Antioch, incredible growth. In a lot of ways, first, between that and Pentecost, the first real revival of Christianity. It was all kicked off, the Bible says, by Barnabas, a good man, the son of encouragement. Like, his spiritual gift was he was just a really nice dude. And he goes to Antioch, and they have this huge revival because he just has ability to just be a really nice guy. That gift of encouragement. Yes, yes, yes. And so it doesn't have to be this huge, well, this person has a superpower thing. It can be anything the kingdom of God can use. Yeah, and... And that's a great example, too, because really, I think we can all think of examples of um, people who use spiritual gifts to bless us in some way. And a lot of times, the gifts that are most popular, most flashy, and things like that, they're really useful, and we can think of ways that those impacted us, right? Um, you know, teaching or... or uh, uh, leadership or you know the, the, the people who are gifted in such a way that they tend to be out front and kind of the faces the face of organizations or or sections of organizations or whatever but you know when I think about my life um, some of the most impactful moments of my life were initiated by people who are gifted with those background those who are gifted in ways that tend to have them play the background like encouragement or uh, hospitality or, or so on and so forth right and I think that that is just a really interesting uh, it's just a very interesting way that, that the Lord has wired us right like there there is a place there's an equally important place for all of these different types of gifts awesome so Chad there's something I really want to make sure that we do before we end this podcast I want to go over some of the big words and talk about what they mean we already handled prophecy, and I think that's probably the most confusing spiritual gifts. Um, but maybe we could go over we could go over some of the other big word things and just kind of basically say, "Oh, here's what that means." Yeah. Well, let's let's go ahead and start with prophecy. We already talked about it a little bit, but I just want to summarize it. You know, prophecy for me is really applying the truth of God to a specific person or situation, right? not necessarily like telling the future like you said that's Nostradamus that's not scriptures right and and just uh, you know one thing that 
I think we'd like to challenge our listeners to do is point out those gifts when we see them in other people. And in light of that, I really see this as a gift that you tend to manifest in a lot of ways in our life, right? You have a certain ability to look at my life and be like, you know what, I really think you should consider what the Lord's doing here or there in such a way that it's true, but it's also something I probably wouldn't have noticed without you speaking specifically into that, right? Well, thank you, Chad. But you know what? Us prophets, whether it's Jonah or me, sometimes we need somebody to prophesy to us because <laughs> it's easy to look at somebody else and say, you got that problem, but we don't know about the splinter in our own eye. Yeah, yeah and, and, <laughs> and you know, we're about to move on to the rest of the, of the list, but I think that that is a great example of the fact that our spiritual gifts do not make us infallible. No, no, no. The most gifted people in the Bible are the most messed up people in the Bible, pretty much. I mean, there's probably some people like Jezebel that were neither gifted or good, but there's a lot of really gifted people that were really messed up. Absolutely right. So let's let's move through our list a little bit, and if you if you'd like to say something about any of these gifts, Corey, just interrupt me, and I will, uh, and you can jump in. Um, you know, leadership—that's a word we understand. Right? Absolutely, and I think of in the Christian term, somebody has the gift of leadership. He's their big picture people that say, I've got a vision, follow me, and other people get involved. But most of the time, those big picture, picture guys are not good at the little picture. And so we need help. I'm more of a big picture guy myself. But your next one on the list there, administration, that's for the most part, that's more detailed people. In other words, little picture guys, people who see these people have these gifts, and the kingdom has this tool, whether that's money and church buses and PVC pipe and vacation Bible school gummy bears and people and pairing them up and saying, I'm going to put you here and I'm going to put you here. But you're going to have to have somebody in any church that's going to grow with the gift of leadership for the big picture and the gift of administration for the smaller picture. And there are some that have both of those. Absolutely. Gifts, right. But those gifts aren't necessarily, um, they, they don't, they aren't mutually exclusive and they aren't always seen together. I think Michael Butler has both. Mm -hmm. I think he is, he has the best gift of administration of any pastor I've ever known. He's the only guy that I've ever known that you can be sitting in a, church staff meeting or a church business meeting or a deacon meeting and you can ask a question about the type of light bulbs in a fixture or you can ask a question about a theological point or you can ask a question about a movement that's going on with the bible study in junior high that started with another church and he has a kingdom focused accurate well thought out spirit led answer for all those things even the light best I've ever seen yes and he maintains a constant database in his head of names and spiritual gifts of people to apply to certain situations when they're needed he is that's true he is amazing I've never said hey do you know anybody that can do this when he didn't say well I mean uh, there's the obvious four names yeah and you're like that is obvious why didn't I think about that they're obvious now they weren't before <laughs> exactly exactly all right, so, so teaching. Do you have anything to say about teaching? Yeah, we know about that one. Yeah, um, so, so we have teaching and knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge, I just want to be clear, is the ability to gain knowledge. Like, it's, 
It's the ability to memorize scripture, to learn things. It's not just, oh, I got saved. Now I know the Bible without reading it first. Yeah, the ability to connect the dots, right? Yes, yes. What's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Whereas we talked about prophecy really is the application of scripture to a life event. I think wisdom is when you take knowledge and apply it in the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so knowledge and wisdom in a lot of ways are like leadership and administration, right? Two sides of the same coin. Absolutely. Um, discernment. That's a word we don't use all the time. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to talk about this a whole lot. I think there's two things. Discernment is when you can tell if people are legit or not. It's the spiritual gift of cutting the crap, of knowing who's full of it and who's not. But discernment, this is very important, is not the spiritual authorization to be a jerk, to look at someone and say, I have the gift of discernment and I know they're evil. And if, if you think that that gift of discernment ever gives you the ability to treat someone poorly or attack them, that's not the gift of discernment because that doesn't line up with Scripture that says it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Yeah, and, and just like we mentioned with prophecy, right, just having the spiritual gift in an area does not negate your ability to sin even in that area, right? Um, you can sinfully apply any one of these gifts, and discernment's a great example of that. Like, you can be the type of person who who sees, who, who has that spiritual gift of cutting the crap and seeing things for how they really are, and it can also make you it, it can also it can also it can also manifest itself in a way that makes you come off as a jerk because you're actually being a jerk. just like Samson used his Holy Spirit given gift of strength to do some really bad things so did David uh, these spiritual gifts when the Holy Spirit gives them to us we're called each and every day to be faithful with the gift that God has because usually God hasn't doesn't just take them away I think sometimes he takes us out of the game and takes us home when we misuse those, and it talks about that in James. But generally, God calls us to use these gifts for the kingdom, but we have to make the conscious decision to do so. Absolutely. The next word we have is one of my favorite words ever because it's fun to say, exhortation. So let's just write synonym. When I was a kid and I took vocabulary and they'd make you write out this paragraph-long definition, I would just write a synonym because I'm lazy. And exhortation, just write motivation. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shepherding. So shepherding is kind of like being a spiritual protector. The shepherd nurtures people in the right direction in a protective manner to keep other people from getting hurt. And so I, because I have a background in the law, I think of the legal term, which is a Latin phrase, called parents patriae. In other words... That's for anyone who stands in the role of a parent, and they have a fiduciary duty to just protect that person. And so they're not at odds with them, and it's not every man for themselves. It's, I'm going to protect you and be sacrificial in my love towards you. And I think when you see people who have the gift of shepherding, they're very security-minded. Now, maybe that's like working the, the door, like our security people at church, or maybe that's like a mom who wants to make sure that none of the kids in her Sunday school class get their feelings hurt. Or, or that when we take a trip, nobody, has, nobody goes without any money and has a bad experience. Or, or, or any million ways 
they say don't let anyone fall off the slide in the playground. Any million ways that that works, but it's that protective, nurturing, motherly instinct. Mm-hmm. It's like the guard dog to the church. Absolutely, like a German shepherd. Mm-hmm. Um, the next word I see on this list that we probably don't use a lot is apostleship. In a lot of ways, po- apostleship and evangelism, in other words, that's on this list are kind of similar. Absolutely. So when we say the word evangelism, that's the, the that's good newsing, technically. That's the ability to share the good news. The gift of evangelism is someone who has the ability to put the gospel into words, someone who has ability to speak grace into people's life, to lead them to conversion, to lead them to a, a, a change of faith. And whereas apostleship is someone that has a di- the ability to go into a new people group, whether that's a neighborhood or a ball club or a country, whatever that may be, and build relationships. Some people have the gift of evangelism and apostleship, and they can go to a people group, they can go to a neighborhood, they can go to a basketball team, and they can work their way in and be one of the guys and lead them all to Jesus. But a lot of people are one or the other. A lot of people have that ability to really put the gospel into words, but they're not great at that at inseminating themselves into a society. And maybe they have a buddy that is that goes and builds those friendships and shares the gospel. I had, when I was growing up, my best friend, Patrick Dunn. He just, he, he can make a friend with anybody, uh, including like LaDainian Tomlinson that he's buddies with because he ran into him one day in San Diego. And they're still buddies. He just, that guy. And I don't have that gift. I can stand... Yeah, I can stand in front of a room with thousands of people and be really comfortable talking to them. Two or three people is harder to me, especially if I haven't met them before. But together, Patrick and I, we made a great team. We would go places. He'd build relationships. I'd come along. I'd do some talking. We'd share the gospel. People get saved. It's an awesome thing. And so what you see is some great pairings of people that one guy might have the gift of evangelism or gal, one guy or gal may have the gift of apostleship, and they work together. And one thing I see a lot, just in even the uh, kind of the words that we've we've gone over, kind of the different spirit, spiritual gifts that we've seen that just happen to be listed in the scriptures, so many of them complement each other, right? You have apostleship and evangelism. You have um, shepherding, and another one we didn't talk about, mercy, right? You have prophecy and discernment. You have leadership and administration, and, and all of these are things that that can be manifested by one person, but so often they're manif- they, they, they show themselves in, in, you know, half of that coin will show itself in a per- one person's life and half of it will show it in another's. And those two together are, their effectiveness for the kingdom is multiplied as they work together for the sake of the kingdom. And I really think that's a beautiful thing. I do too. I love to see the haven uh, you'll see different kids that have different groups at different times that uh, have that ability to just work together and make huge differences huge impacts um, and I like to always wa- like to watch and see what roommates pair with who Abby uh, Belvin who that was weird to say Abby Brady just got married and I was thinking about at her wedding about her two roommates that she had in college. 
and she had Alyssa Lee and she had Sheena Anatavo. And both Alyssa and Sheena very much, they're prophet type people. They are, let me tell you what I see from the word of God in your life. And they're, there's no other word but abrasive. And I mean that in a great way. But I mean, they will lay it out straight and clear. And Abby is a mother. Abby is a shepherd. Abby is a let me give you a hug. And so those are her two roommates. And they were always a great pair, a great team. Because you have the one person that's like, let me give you a hug. And the other was like, and one more thing. I can't believe you. And it worked together yeah. to glorify God, to grow not just the haven but the kingdom. And so that's really great to see. I, I, I think of my wife. She has three spiritual gifts that are just stinking amazing. Those are. She has the gift of service. She helps people like you wouldn't believe. We've talked about her love language. One of her, her love languages is acts of service. She just, she sees needs and she meets them. She's also so generous. She'll just give anybody anything. And if somebody came to my door and they knocked on the door and they had no, and they had no shoes and it's cold outside, and they knocked on the door, my instinct is to say, if you freeze to death outside, will you go to heaven? That's the conversation I would have. Elizabeth would say, come here, honey, let's get you some shoes. Would you like some soup? Here's a blanket. Because she just has that gift of service and of giving and hospitality, the ability to just make people comfortable, to make people feel warm and welcoming, whereas I'm a little more abrasive. And so she a lot of times covers up my flaws because she's just so welcoming. And I couldn't. I couldn't do hardly anything without her because she's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and that's really, uh, yeah, that's it's so. I'm so thankful seeing that. Right, you can see that in both um, marriage relationships where where you've got a teammate that that you have uh, that you're working with for life, and you are making each other better and, and working together to to spread the gospel. And you see that in friendships, and you see that in. Uh, different groups in church, you see that in the haven, you see that in roommates, and, it, and it's just such a testament to who God is and how God can use his people. And and I'd like to, uh, kind of at this point in, in the podcast, I'd like, I'd like to kind of call back to uh, some of the challenges that we've made, right? Um, what, because I, I think that we need to use these talents for good, and I think it, it, falls on us to be good stewards of those talents. So we've got some challenges for our listeners to try to encourage that. Absolutely. Here is the actual application. Now, if you're driving down the road, this might be a time for you to hit pause and pick back up when you have an ink pen or maybe a notes app on your cell phone or whatever the case may be. Because these are the three things I really want to challenge you to do. Number one, examine your life. Take a look at your life and what gifts God has given you and what gifts other people have told you they see in you. Number two, encourage others the same way you've been encouraged. Look at people in your life and say, I see this gift in you that God is using and God can use. Mm-hmm. I, and I would say, I think that everyone listening to this podcast should think of two people. Absolutely. That they are going to encourage in this way within the next week by the time they listen to the next episode of this podcast let's do it and also two people they should ask what their spiritual gifts are yes so so let's let's ask two people what are my spiritual gifts and the last thing is engage 
find a way to use those gifts. If you can't think of a way, go to somebody you trust, somebody you love, one of those people that loves you and loves Jesus, and say, how do you see this gift working for the kingdom of God? Specifically, if you know somebody that has the gift of administration, that's good at putting people in places in the right way for the kingdom of God. There's one more story I want to tell, Shad, because I thought of it while you were doing that. In the movie Braveheart, by the way, the greatest movie ever made without debate. In the movie Braveheart, there's a scene where William Wallace pulls Robert the Bruce aside and says, you are the kingdom, you are the king that we need. Everyone will follow you. They want to follow me, but I will follow you because I see in you, my king, my leader, in your wisdom, in your bearing, in your blood. He gives this awesome speech. And I, I thought about doing it with a Scottish accent, but I, I didn't want to ruin the moment. And that scene when I was a kid, I was like, wow, wow. And you'll see Robert the Bruce then goes and betrays Mel Gibson, but that speech changes his life. And uh, by the way, best movie ever. But that's the kind of impact it can have when someone looks at you and says, here's what I see in you. Go do that. Go be that person. Great. I think that that is a great place to end. In fact, do it twice. That's the challenge. Find two Robert the Bruces. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Hey, Corey, thank you for sitting down with me and talking about all of this again. And uh, really appreciate you, and I appreciate the way that you utilize your gifts for the kingdom of God. Chad, thank you so much. Chad also has the gift of hospitality. I was bragging on Elizabeth. Chad is also one of those people that just makes people comfortable. That's why he's great at running a podcast. See you guys next week. See you next week.